Welcome back to Design Lab. I'm Bon Koo. This is episode 14. I'm so proud of that because so many new podcasts, they don't make it past episode 10. This podcast has been a labor of love for us. Last week, we couldn't publish the podcast on Thursday because it was swamped with work, but don't worry, we're back. This week, we decided to change the format because it's the holidays and the end of the year. I'm bringing back my really good friend, Dr. Mike Natter. Mike was on episode three of the podcast. He's a doctor in New York City. He's currently an endocrinology fellow. He's an artist turned doctor. Mike has one of the most creative minds that I know in medicine. And this was a great excuse for me just to hang out with Mike. We're calling this a jam session. My producer, Rob Puglisi, joins us. He asks us some really random questions that range from social media to COVID-19. Warning, this is a long, rambling conversation, but I hope that some of you find it interesting. Thanks for everyone who's listening, and the best way to support us is to subscribe, rate, and give feedback to the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen. Or you can just drop me a line at bonnetdesignlabpod.com. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mike Natter. What's let's, the format, Rob? What are we doing? Let's. There is no format. The format is we are just going to hang out. I've got some questions. We're going to do this kind of like late night, late show style. So normally I'm the producer of Design Lab and I'm kind of hanging out in the background, making sure that Bond sounds great, even though I guess it isn't that hard. And of course, thank you, Rob, making our guests sound amazing. Same goes for you, Mike. Doesn't doesn't take too much. But today I am running the show up front. So I've got some questions for you both. So thank you so much. I've got the two hottest docs on the block, Dr. Bonku and Dr. Mike Natter. What's up? What's up? What's up? So, you know, Bond started writing a bunch of questions and they're all kind of like sad, depressing hospital <laughs> COVID questions, as one would expect. But we're going to tr- we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But I do want to, like, start with some other stuff, because I think we're all a little bit tired of talking about COVID. And so you two literally live it like on a weekly to daily basis. So, you know, there is some other stuff we can talk about. So first off, Mike, did you finish putting up your tiny little Manhattan Christmas tree? That is, that looks amazing, dude. That looks amazing. <laughs> when my girlfriend and I were picking it out, we kept going through them. We had to get smaller and, smaller, smaller and smaller. Is it real? Is it it's real? real? It's real. There are did pine you... needles all over the apartment right now. Uh, did you hurt wow. your back moving that thing in the apartment? <laughs> you got to be careful. You lift that thing with one finger. <laughs> <laughs> that tree is so cute. That's your first Christmas tree ever. First Christmas tree. Yeah, my girlfriend's very interested really? in Christmas, so she uh, she decided we were going to do a, a real Christmas this year. Are you going to put any ornaments on that tree? Like oh, we, couple, we maybe? did the ornaments. We did the ornaments. No, oh, you got we, them up uh, already. We yeah, we decked it up. So my girlfriend's really good with this stuff. Like this is her this is her bag. So she pulled out these. Uh, they're quite nice. It's a very minimalist and kind of like monochrome situation. It's not like smack in the face Santa Claus. There's no reds. There's no greens. It's all like silvers and golds and it's it's elegant is what i would say uh-huh. uh, it's kind of like uh you know elegant uh, like macy's type of style you know all coordinated yeah nice. yeah it's, it's matchy it's it's nice and there's a couple of like little like glass ornaments let me tell you much more fun than lighting a menorah well so you gotta clean this way until your your vacuuming needles up off your floor every <laughs> single day what are you looking forward to for the holidays what you know any any good stuff coming up or any any hopes and dreams for the next month? 
just gonna sleep. What I'm looking forward to sleeping. I, I worked I worked Thanksgiving in the emergency room, and I'm not working on Christmas or New Year's in the ER. So, I think I'm gonna sleep. I mean, we're not gonna travel anywhere because of COVID. So, I'm looking forward to just catching up on sleep. Yeah, but I was gonna ask you: Do you, is it worked out the same way with me? Where if you work Thanksgiving, then you're off New Year's and Christmas? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I've been working Thanksgiving for like the past like over the past 10 years that's like my holiday that i work and so yeah christmas i'm gonna chill i have off that's you, awesome. you have off mike yeah so i also worked i worked the three day long thanksgiving day weekend so i am off christmas and new year's but so being jewish normally i don't mind working christmas but my two co-fellows are also people that don't celebrate christmas so we're all trying to be like oh i'll take christmas i'll take christmas because i don't want a thanksgiving you know <laughs> it's a fight to take christmas <laughs> but this year i guess something kind of celebrate. i'm gonna celebrate with my girlfriend i also like you i'm not trying to travel anywhere my my folks live not too far from me in the city but they're older so i decided to to kind of stay away from them i stayed away from them for for thanksgiving too which was tough yeah um, but yeah it's it's for the best unfortunately you're a hardcore New Yorker, right? You grew up in Manhattan. I did. Yeah. Yeah. New York through and through. It's been it's been weird seeing how it's changed so much. How is New York for Christmas right now? Does it does it lack the buzz, the holiday buzz that you that is usually there? I will say the last couple months, like our COVID rates have been so well controlled that it kind of started to feel like things were back into the swing of things. But then these past couple of weeks, we're starting to see an uptick and I think people are getting a little nervous. So it's not quite the same as it was. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. I heard Philly is also how. How are things in Philly? Philly is bad. I work Thanksgiving. It was probably the worst day of the pandemic. Oh my god! Yeah, the number of COVID cases I was seeing in sick COVID patients. So it's worse now than it was in the beginning of the pandemic. So mm, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's not not good here in Pennsylvania. Oh, I'm sorry, Bon. Yeah, sorry, world. Sorry, world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, well, Pennsylvania came through with one big thing. So thank you for that. What we yeah. Did? You got rid of that. Oh, we uh, basically oh, saved, other. We saved democracy. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the other terrible disaster. We, we saved democracy. Philly. Yeah. 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 We turned mm-hmm. Pennsylvania blue. It was great. Well done. It was huge. Well done. Yeah, we, I mean, we already knew that Philadelphia was the center of the universe before that happened. You know, now the world knows. It was, Mike, I wish you were here. It was, it was a party on the streets. I mean, people were having spontaneous dance parties, like, like everywhere. It was just ridiculous. Like we're on Walnut Street right next to the hospital, like on Walnut and 12. And there was just some guy who, or some group that made a portable DJ stand and so they oh, were just I like this. bringing it out and just yes. like playing music. And then and people they, they, just they started to the, the museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People were just like dancing on the streets. Oh my God. That's amazing. it was, it was ridiculous. Mike, it, do you miss, so do you cool. miss Philly? I miss Philly. I do. I miss Philly a lot. There, there is something about Philly that there's like a realness to Philly. There's a grittiness. There's like a truth and a genuine sense at, that you get in Philly where you don't necessarily get that in New York. Like New York, people are so busy that they don't really have the time to kind of flip you off when you're standing on the curb. And <laughs> Philly, they'll get in your face, flip you off, and then you're your brother. You know, then you get a beer with them afterward. You know, you get the the special, and everything's good. You know, 
but I, I miss it a lot. I miss the food. I miss the atmosphere. I miss the culture. I miss you guys. I miss Jefferson. So yeah, I miss it quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, Philly, I, I grew up in New York, not in the city, but close to it. And I never thought that I would leave New York forever until I came to Philadelphia. And like now I can't imagine going back. Bon, do you miss do you miss New York? Usually you're like all up in New York this time of year. I yeah, I I love New York so much. I did my residency there at Long Island Jewish Medical Center. I lived in Queens and Long Island City. And New York has just this great energy. And I mean, let's be honest, if if there wasn't a pandemic right now, we'd be in Mike's living room recording this episode. What 100 percent. And one of my favorite, <laughs> actually, every winter, what my family and I do is like we're these weird people. We don't go to like ski lodges like we go to Manhattan and we get we stay there for a few days and like, we catch a show and we just eat out at restaurants. It's kind uh, of brilliant because the city like empties out a little bit. You know, city's so empty that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's smart. It's so we we have this city experience during during the holidays and it's still so festive there and yeah really really love New York. That I think you you tapped into the same thing that I get from it is there's like an energy there's a freneticism in New York that is like inspiring it makes you want to hustle that I don't think any other city has the same level of. It's it's amazing I I love I only lived there for three years but I have such fond memories from from being there and what's what's great it's like you know we're so close it's 90 miles away New York on the holidays is something special speaking of New York on the holidays did you hear that when they were putting up the Rockefeller tree they found a little baby owl who had stowed away for the entire 170 what? mile journey <laughs> that's yeah, it's- and not not That's only that crazy the tree itself when they like unfurled it it was like not a good looking tree oh i i <laughs> did it fall down that. too <laughs> like it was like tilting or something like that yeah it was not not what we were expecting it was no, very, it, it, was it looked like a massive 2020 like charlie brown christmas tree <laughs> but then i was like come on i'm like no it apparently it looks like that every year apparently they wrap it in a really weird funky way and then they open it up so that was just uh, hilarious though nonetheless it was a great great meme for as long as for the time that it lasted but the owl thing was real they actually had to like, drive the owl back they rehabilitated it and drove it 170 miles back up to upstate new york to where the tree had come from to release it back it's to a the Christmas wild. miracle yeah it's a christmas miracle <laughs> now that now that mike is a christmas tree expert maybe next year they'll employ him to help out with the hey, tree Vaughn, i might ask you to chop me one of your trees in your backyard i feel like you can <laughs> <laughs> I had I had Rob Rob chop some wood in my backyard and then like he threw out his back. That's a workout. I chopped, That's I chopped like a real workout. Two chops. I did two <laughs> chops. Two chops and I couldn't walk for a week. That <laughs> actually happened. I'm my, not even. My girlfriend's a, she works in like the gym industry and they have a move called the wood chop. That's a thing. You pick what? Up you do the wood oh, chop. Oh yeah. I gotta learn that. Well, I mean, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you, how, how do you do, do it that? without an how axe? How do you do that without, yeah. I think it's like the motion. I wouldn't, you know, I would pretend to show you, but let me tell you, I, uh, wait, hold on. She's going to give you a little, a little. Oh, let me see. Let me see. <laughs> they see oh, it. hey, oh, what's shit. up? <laughs> give him, yeah, give him a little wood chop. Yeah, let's see. Up and down. Yeah, there you go. Oh, like. There's like an oblique uh, torquing. Of, there's like a torque of some sort. I don't know. I, I just watched them do it. I can't do it. Oh, I also so twerk cool. to exercise, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why I hurt my back. That's enough of these opening softy questions. Let's play a game. We're gonna do the word association game, 
And I just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind when I say a word. And I'm going to I want that from both of you. All right. All right. First word. Wait, 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 wait. Do we do this at the same time? No, for just whoever goes first, whoever talks first, just tell me okay. what your word is and the other person goes. Okay. Ready? Ready? Mike, you don't look ready. I'm ready. Let's hit. All right. Let's ready. All right. First word. All right. Ready? Trump. Bad. Bon. Oh, tyranny. Tyranny. Biden. Hope. Democracy. Kamala. Yay. Amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pandemic. Oh, living it. <laughs> living it. That's good. That's that's that is an answer. Vaccine. More hope. Too late. You can't say hope again. More hope. Oh, two words, it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Hopeful. Mm. Hopeful. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Twitter. Instagram. Uh, what? <laughs> you can't just say another social media. What? You just said platform? the first. OK, you got to give me better rules, Rob. I'm just saying what you. <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like that's you know, that's not how this game works, right? I think I just said, oi. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's there. Yeah. I know both of you spend a lot of time on social media. All right. Instagram. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I think Bond just puts Bond just takes Instagram posts and puts them on Twitter all day. And, vice versa. and, then, and then takes Twitter <laughs> posts and puts them on Insta. That's not he how it retweets works. his Instagram. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok. I'm my daughter. Old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're too old. I'm too old for I TikTok. Love, Dude, you TikTok. would kill it on TikTok. No, like, I want to see you do some of those of dances. It's all oh, every time amazing. I've tried looking on TikTok and all it is, my whole feed of TikTok is 12 year olds doing the same dance, the same tune. Dude, okay, but I just saw Bill Nye on TikTok. Oh, oh he Bill, had an awesome Bill Nye TikTok. Is crushing it, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did Bill this Nye great thing on Mask, the science of mask. I just literally watched it right before we came on. He's the man. No, he's he's the man. But he he's like he's like transcends age like he's not old so he's okay to do it whereas like bond <laughs> you and i are old we're not we can't do no, you, i i'm old you're not you're still a millennial man like, i think you, i'm still a millennial right I yeah, could, yeah you totally are so you would crush it on tiktok man i don't know i yeah. don't know i would it's start not, not i would start a tiktok account just to follow you i'll have one follower yeah <laughs> i'm gonna put money on when Mike Natter is going to start a TikTok account. Start I'm going TikTok. to just secretly write it down on my calendar. Can we just talk about the the psychology of that platform, though? Because when I first started watching it, I realized that it would, had a powerful effect on my psyche and mm. that if I have TikTok on, my brain will not allow me to sleep or become tired until I stop watching it. It's and crazy. It's stop, like you can't stop watching it. You can't stop watching it. So, so interestingly, all social media platforms work in that way, but I think TikTok does it in a better way or a more addictive way. And they work in the same way that the gambling industry works. Mm. And it's the idea that you want to keep pulling that lever until you get your jackpot and that jackpot never comes. So you continually put money in and feed it and feed it and feed it. So you keep swiping until you see the thing that you're going to like more to get that dopamine rush. It's all... They're they're designed for addiction. And it's this thing that I do, but I kind of like don't want to do, but there's some good things with social media, but then part of me just like hates being on it. It's just, yeah, it's a rabbit hole. It's a time. So it's also like a dark place. And when you said Twitter, my first response was, oi, because I found that, and it's so strange to me, but I found that people are extremely mean 
and dude, people rage, man. Yeah, people well, get... Instagram less so, but still to some degree. But the Twitter people come after you. Hmm. They do. They do. What's like the nastiest thing somebody said to you on Twitter? Well, more recently, actually, it's been more from actually from Instagram because I made a post about the vaccine to like the to the mechanism of how it works. That and was thought, a great. That was a great post. Thanks, I, man. I loved it. It was so. I cool. was really proud of it. I thought it broke it down nicely. It was. Yeah, the cells and the antigens and the virus. It was like. Mm-hmm. I think you had was, a phagocyte in there, like eating or something. I don't know. It was, whole, it was like, it was the whole thing. I had to pull out my, my physiology books, my immunology books. I was like, this is going to be great. And then, you know, I was talking about how hopeful I was about the fact there's a vaccine coming. And I was like, it's going to be great. It's going to be worth getting. Everyone should get it. I'm going to get it. And I, I think I might have tapped into the like anti-vaxxing argument. And let me tell you, the people that came out of the woodwork to – dm me to tell me that i'm going to hell there what was Whoa. thrown at me there was like like i pray for you and your patients you're all going to hell someone said oh well he's a frontline worker so he'll get the injection first and he'll die so good wow like, that is really cold and I've... spread well a bunch but yeah. people spread misinformation then and and like, i was like i've never wanted to delete posts or anything but i had to stop i had to cut off the comments like not make wow hmm. i was like People are misspreading hate and misinformation. It was it was really now because, were these because, were these people that were following you already or just like random people? Mm, that's a good question. I so I a couple of them I looked into and they some of them were actual like whack job like conspiracy conspiracy theorists and some of them, and most of them weren't following me. A handful were, but that's the thing, right? Like, then don't right. Like, you don't have to follow me. There's an easy solution to this as opposed yeah. to like you know, slinging hate at me. Because I think that's 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 something that most people don't really get to encounter because for your average person, social media is just, like, you know, it's like a sounding board. Like if you throw something, you just hear whatever you say, you just hear it right back at you. Right. Because there isn't people who are like scrutinizing the dumb thing that you're saying when you fought when you have 10 followers. Right. So I think it's really interesting that like, once you hit a certain point where people are paying attention you know, it's no longer are you just in your bubble. Right? I think it's or, a badge or, or, of honor to get hate dms and comments on, on social media it's, i mean i mean i'm i'm too sensitive though like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good guy here why are you yeah. hating me? <laughs> i i had put a post on i think it was a summer about like on twitter on dude wear a mask and i had my papper on so i don't have to wear this thing in the emergency room and it kind of blew up but i got some 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 hate on Twitter and you know some racist comments of and I was like yeah whatever I mean it just it's it happens man do you do you reply do you respond to these no I I, I ignore it I mean I, I kind of like look into their profiles and they're these like kind of right wing extremist and I'm like yeah I'm just not going to it happens man so I, I I can't imagine how many times people get such hate on on social so yeah that's kind of like the dark side of it yeah and i think now we are so polarized because of the last four years that we've been through plus Mm. all of everything else that's going on in the world and because we've now had to be retreating more like in like into our spaces with trying to not go out and things are closed that social media is the only place where people are interacting in that way and so you can't just go and scream at random people in the supermarket anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) those were the days (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. The way I look at it, right? You're, you're both physicians. You put yourselves out there every day, right? You're out there risking yourself to take care of others. It's kind of it's kind of one and the same when you when you when you try to do something meaningful, you you put yourself at a little bit of risk too. That's fair. That's fair. I do think though that when you when you have a following, a large following, people stop looking at you as a person. Mm, and I, I feel like you're looked at yeah. like as the same way you would look at like a company or like a faceless entity where they don't realize what they're saying actually is really hurtful. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing this stuff, you know, like that's you awful. don't have a soul. You're just a little <laughs> yeah. face in a circle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or they or they feel like you're representative of the profession or the institution that you're at and that you're not some individual person. Yeah. There's some been some weird remarks of people going, I don't even want to say, but it's it's surprising. It is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But Bon, let me ask you, when you're on social media and Rob too, you you know, you guys are both healthcare professionals. Do you feel like being a healthcare professional when you say, even if it is your opinion, that because you have education and a title, that what you have what you say needs to be very careful that it's not an opinion and it's more fact based? I'm very careful if I'm like talking about like the virus or something medically related that I don't want people to think just because I'm a physician that I'm the expert on it, right? I don't want to. I don't want to be like Doctor Oz, just like putting spewing stuff out that is not evidence based. Because mm-hmm. and because I think just because you're a physician and academic, people think that what you say is the truth, but it's or it's you're the you're the foremost foremost expert on it. So I'm a little bit hesitant sometimes when. I'm speaking on some topics that I'm not an expert on. So I've, I've, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to be yourself. I think on, on some of these platforms, nobody is themselves on these platforms. No, but Mike, Mike's pretty, I feel like with Mike on his Instagram, he's, I see a lot of him in it and, you know, Mike, you're, you're pretty vulnerable with some of your posts. I think that's why people like it. They could they could relate relate to that vulnerability. It's not just it's just not a bunch of selfies of you like hanging out in beaches or or, or in like tight scrubs. You know, <laughs> sh- showing off your physique and your hair. <laughs> like, Thanks, Bon. I, know, bon, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that a lot. But I will say that I don't really have much of a physique anymore. So it's not show. <laughs> I'm gone, gone away. Like, no, you're not. But, you're not showing off your floppy resident body. <laughs> Residency destroyed everything about me. But I, I, I really do appreciate that because I feel like I have a lot of colleagues who are like striving to gain followers and to kind of create a business and build a brand on social media. Which there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I feel like I kind of accidentally fell into this mm-hmm. where it really just was an extension of what I was doing naturally. And I really wanted to maintain that because I sometimes look at some of my, some of the medical folks on social media and it's a little cringy because it is exactly that like selfies of very good looking people in healthcare wearing cool scrubs and you know, whatever. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wouldn't want that to be my image on social media. And so I do try to keep it as genuine as possible, but but, you know, Rob's right too, right? Everyone is carefully curated in what they want to put out there. And while I might not be as carefully curated, I still, I'm not showing you like other things that are, you know, but you know, no one needs to know what I ate for breakfast or, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Next, next segment of the show. We just finished our 12th episode of the show. There is not a single episode where we don't talk about COVID or 
you know, health or all those things. I mean, our, it, it is a podcast sort of about health and design and lifestyle and, and, and improving yourself, but also there's a lot of stuff still happening in the world and nobody's really talking about it like at all, like nothing, which is one kind of cool because I think there's probably no other time in history when health has been the hottest thing. Literally every human on earth is just spending a lot of their time thinking about health and learning things about health. And that's kind of neat, but I want to talk about other stuff. So, all right, all we talk about is COVID, but there, like other shit's happening. I have a list of stuff that happened this year that we forgot because of COVID. Mm. Oh, I like this. Do you remember that there was other things earlier this year before we heard about COVID? No, it's like my life is is BC, like before COVID and after COVID. It's yeah, you know, yeah. Totally. Okay, ready? The Australian bushfires. Oh, oh yeah, crazy. I remember that. Do you yeah. remember that? Do you remember like how terrible that was? And we were like, it was like the biggest tragedy in history that like half of Australia was on fire. All those poor koala bears. Yeah, that was bad. My my girlfriend's from Melbourne originally, and her family. No way. Yeah. So yeah, she that was that was pretty miserable. That was bad. Yeah, that was the worst thing that we'd ever seen before COVID. Unbelievable. It took months for those fires to go out, and I think people didn't even pay attention. This one's kind of stupid, but. Do you, do you remember that? And this is kind of a two-parter. Did you did you remember when Mr. Peanut died? Oh, I'm unaware of this. This is news to me. Mr. Peanut died. Who's who's that? He's the guy with the monocle and the hat. Yeah. So the 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 oh. the mascot for Planters Nuts died. He was actually intentionally killed off by the company. <laughs> it was part of a Super Bowl thing. But then something really actually bad happened, and that's why nobody knows about this. So <laughs> Planters was going to hold a fake funeral for Mr. Peanut. And then Kobe Bryant actually died. Oh, oh my gosh. That same day. I was flying back from LA that day. That's oh, right. Yeah. Kobe Bryant died. I like, yeah, I was like on the plane flying back from LA. It was crazy. That was devastating. That really ruined me. Yeah, it was, it was, it was oh, so was bad. Just that we were at the precipice. We had just started hearing the word COVID mm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. when that happened yeah it was like remember, a, remember it was like a you know a signal of things to come yeah yeah oh god that was terrible it was absolutely 100 percent felt here but the but the really stupid thing about that is that so so the reason nobody remembers mr peanut died is because they had to cancel his funeral oh. because somebody important actually fucking died. <laughs> someone, someone actually passed away yeah <laughs> you know what he died from though right He's allergic to peanuts. Oh, anaphylaxis. <laughs> that actually would have been a really like helpful and educational way to yeah. take Mr. Peanut out. This actually, this actually was really awesome. This is this is really cool. New York ran out of dogs and cats to adopt. Oh, can I tell you? Walking down the street, everyone's got a puppy. Really? And Real in Manhattan. Yeah, because they had nothing better to do with their quarantine time, and they all got puppies. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. Isn't that cool? That's actually like a good thing, right? There are some like, yeah, this is, this is everything about, you know, what's happened over the past year has been awful, whether you're talking about COVID or the tragedies that led to the, the BLM movement. But puppies getting adopted is pretty sweet. It's great. And there's so much like symbiotic goodness, right? Like the oxytocin and like the mental health. If I have a puppy, I can't be that sad. How, can, how sad can you be with a puppy in your lap? It's true. It's very true. All right, a couple more. This one's good. Did you guys catch the first manned commercial space flight this year? That I did. That was pretty cool. 
I didn't Bond. see that. Bond lives on the moon. So <laughs> he's not really aware that somebody was coming to visit him. Did you see right, their spacesuits, though? Their spacesuits were kind of corny. You think so? Yeah. I oh, I it. think I remember that. I think or, I remember that. A little too space oh, for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was a little on the nose for me. I wanted something. Mm-hmm. Nike should have stepped in and done something cool. Mm-hmm. We should get we should get Rob on Jeopardy. I feel like he would crush it. I know. <laughs> would be so bad at R.I.P. Speaking speaking of horrible things, my girlfriend oh. and I like flat out bald when we watched Alex. the other episode. Oh my god! Oh, I grew up watching that. Oh, was... let me tell you, my life. I wake up with Michael Barbaro in my ear. I then eat dinner with Alex Trebek at seven. Oh. And I'm in bed by eight. That's what I do. That's wow. what I do. <laughs> Wait, you, you still watch Jeopardy every night? Every night. Well, when I'm home. Yeah. Wow. And let me tell you, they're, gonna, they're about to finish off the last episodes that he had pre-recorded. And it's going to be Oh, my miserable. gosh. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I love, I love that podcast, The Daily. Oh, I, yeah, I love the daily. I yeah, listen to it every so, morning. Yeah. So I actually, I had to turn it off. I couldn't listen to some of it during the pandemic because it was too, it was too much. I was like, yeah. it was like, wait, like there's one episode. He interviewed one of the Italian ICU directors. And I was like, this is, oh good. yeah. I heard that one. Oh God. That was heavy. I yeah. Couldn't that. Yeah. He's so good. So good. Both of you have been working on the front lines throughout the pandemic. You were already talking about like some of the stuff you do to relax, but you know, how have you seen, have we seen other folks dealing with stress? Are people talking about how they feel at work? Because I, I like, I remember from working in the emergency department, people are like unflappable. Like it literally didn't matter what would come in the door. Like you'd be just like doing your thing and like jive in the next minute. So unlike, unlike Bond, so I, I didn't work in the emergency room. So when I was a, a resident a few short months ago during the pandemic, we would, you know, we'd have these little like resident rooms where we'd like write our notes and orders and stuff. And then we'd kind of like gear up and go into the patient rooms. And it was interesting to me because like inside, I was petrified, straight up scared hmm. out of my mind. And normally at work, like, I'm not scared. I'm just, like, tired and kind of annoyed with certain things or, you know, ready to, you know, want to take a nap. So there was, like, this mixture of, like, straight-up exhaustion, which is kind of the norm, plus this fear and, and being so scared. But what was so amazing to me, and I think which is why I, like, didn't totally lose my mind, was that there was this sense of calm and normalcy amongst my colleagues in the space that we were in. Mm that is that unflappableness that you're talking about rob where like shit was hitting the fan like things are bad people were like just dying every few minutes someone was coding and dying Mm. from the same illness that could potentially you know infect us and our loved ones and we all felt that palpable fear but collectively we were or i shouldn't say we were my colleagues were calm like strangely calm and i think we all needed knew that we needed to be and like i would never compare anything to war because you know that's a different situation but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all the war films and things i hear about like when you're in the trenches like there's like this dark humor and people are joking and stuff and it's your mechanism of how to get through it and i feel like my colleagues kind of took that on and that's kind of how we got through it i I think it's the same thing mike that the, for me, the hospital was actually the most normal place. And that was actually a time where 
we could be kind of social. And it, I forgot that people were quarantining at home and on Zoom all day. And then some people just did not see people at all. Mm-hmm. Or they, they're, they just saw a couple of people in their, in their circle, in their, in their bubble. And I'm like, well, it's been like the same for me. I go into work, I'd see a hundred people at work. And so work was actually the most normal thing, even though it was such a terrible place with people dying and yeah. so many sick people. Well, it's kind of funny because I wouldn't come into work that often. I wouldn't come into, you know, the lab that often. What I would interacting with you, you ED docs, you guys were all just like, it was like a normal day. Meanwhile, I'm tiptoeing into work. I'm just like, oh, this is a little weird. I'm a little freaked out. And you guys, it's like normal. Like you're you like used to it. It's it's just funny. It's like a totally different world. To to Bond's point, my my best friend Josh, who who works in in television, has nothing to do with healthcare said to me, he's like, I know this is going to be horrible to say, but because you're my best friend, I could say it to you. He's like, I'm kind of envious that you can get up and go to work. Yeah. I am like going crazy in my apartment with my girlfriend trying to work from home. He's like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate working from home. I hate when I have zoom meetings all day long. It's so mentally taxing. It's, it's actually easier for me just to go into hospital, work a, work a overnight shift than, then do 10 hours of zoom meetings all day. It's just, it's just a different type of mental agony that I'm not used to. I totally hear it. I think more than ever, we're really paying attention to all the people it takes to keep everybody healthy, especially in a hospital. I I heard a story about the, the security team in the hospital and how their job has completely changed, right? Because now their job is to make sure everybody who walks on campus is wearing a mask. Imagine if your job, literally your job, was everybody who walked close to you or walked nearby, was like, you need to put a mask on. Well, imagine what your day would be like if that was mm-hmm. your job. Yeah, that's got to be rough, especially when there's a handful of people that are obviously... Like, you know, More than wearing... a handful. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are not trying to wear a mask right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how we've all had to like pivot and like just everything has changed it's, it's true really it's true and, and 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 also to that point like the like the unsung here is like the janitorial staff like mm-hmm. now in a time when cleanliness and and you know being sterile is so important these people are like grinding you know and they yeah. never really get recognized like they should mm-hmm. yep what about like from from as far as like who 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 do you look up to right now i'm curious like professionally you know who who inspires you right now? You mean besides Mike Natter? Oh, Bon, you stole it. <laughs> I, I, was about to, I was about to say, I was about to say, like, not to be too cheesy, but like, Bon's my, Bon's my hero. Bon's my role model. No, I mean it sincerely. Bon is literally like fabricating. He is doing that, the thing that has never been done before and doing it in a really seamless kind of professional way. And when you are someone that has interests that seem to be so disparate, like I, I'm an artist, my background's in art, I, I gravitate toward the creative, and I find myself in medicine, which I love and I'm happy to be here, but I don't feel full unless I'm doing both of, the, of them together. And there is no such thing as both of them together. And then Bond comes along, I was like, holy crap, like this guy's doing it. He's doing exactly, you know, the, the mindset is exactly what I want and what I hope to eventually you know get into so you know bond for sure is is someone that i look up to i love that mike it's reverse mentorship man dude so because like i i look at you and the storytelling that you do through your illustrations and and you're able to inspire so many people on social and and be like vulnerable with 
some of your feelings. And I think that really gives people hope. And, you know, just that those illustrations that you did during the pandemic early on with everyone in their PPE was so good, frontline healthcare workers. And, and I think, I don't know how you do it. You're so busy, but you have this, you make time for creativity and for storytelling through your art. So that's been so cool to see. I, I just love it. I love, I love like following you on Instagram and it makes me feel closer to you, man. Even though we don't get it, we haven't had a chance to connect much during the pandemic. I feel like I get a little glimpse into your life and hospital life. Thanks, Bon. Bon, that means a lot. I, it's, I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's so nice. I, lo- I love how you're inspiring Bond to be more creative uh-huh. and uh, Bond's inspiring you to think that you can still be cool when you're old. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really touching. It's really nice. Are, do you find yourselves still able to maintain kind of the, your empathy on a day-to-day basis? You know, in med school, they, they always show us this really depressing graph where you come into med school, you're like super empathetic. You want to be like the best you know, doctor to all your patients, you want to have spend as much time as you can with everyone. And then like, it starts to kind of trend down when you hit your clinical years, but it's still there. And then you're in residency and it just like bottoms out and it's really upsetting. And I think that a large part of that is due to the structure in which we have this training process. And I think that it is so archaic and grinding and cruel that you've put people in this kind of indentured servitude role, this, what I would call like a learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, you kind of revert back to survival mode where, you know, empathy is still there, but it falls farther down on the priority of totem pole because you need to catch an hour of sleep when you haven't slept in a day. You need to, you know, urinate when you can, you need to eat when you can. And so these things kind of like, unfortunately, like mess with the higher, higher up, you know, mm-hmm. thinking, which would be the empathy, but no, like, I, I think, you know, I think me and my colleagues are still empathetic people, but I am so were overworked, I think in many ways, and the expectations and the, the asks are so high and so frequent that it's, it's tough. Like I'm definitely not as empathetic as I want to be or how mm-hmm. I used to be for sure. For sure. What, one thing I try to do is I try to do one compassionate or nice thing for a patient during a shift because it's it's hard to sometimes it's just so busy you feel so overwhelmed but i try to do one nice thing per shift and it's such a low bar so be like, if it's someone's like oh i'm so cold can you eat it? and i go okay i'll go and get a a warm blanket from the heater and, and put it on them and i try to at least do that one act of kindness during, during a shift. And cause I think it helps to humanize me and cause we could always make excuses, you know, we're too busy, you know, we're, we got to treat the patient, but, and, and sometimes they're like, oh, I'm hungry. So I'll go and get a tray for them. And so I try to do that like at least one t- every single time that, that I work. And it just, it's a reminder for me that, patients have needs they're suffering they're they're lonely they're scared and i gotta it's just it's, it helps me to be em- more empathetic so, so i'm looking out for that way during my shift mm. where i could do an act of kindness that's i like that a lot and i think like that act of kindness begets more acts of kindness yeah when you do that empathetic thing or when you have that connection with the patient for me at least it kind of 
it centers me and it brings me back to why I'm doing this in the first place mm. because it's so easy to get into this like humdrum of we need to put this order, I need to put this note, I need to yeah. see this station. Mm. And if you can't break that up with the reminders of why you're doing it, then you just get you get so burnt out. And it also like it, I think it advances care too, like both like practically but also figuratively. I think there's something to be said about like, yes, what we do in terms of medication is good, and what we do in terms of diagnostic imaging and everything else. But mm-hmm. there's something to be said about like the chicken noodle soup of the soul. If mm-hmm. someone comes in there and they're hurting, but you do something nice for them that could take away some of their psychic pain that could take away yeah. some of their illness. I had a guy and then like more practically, I had a guy in, uh, in DI in, in uh, diabetic with diabetic and insip- diabetes insipidus were just urinating constantly. And, you know, he was trying to leave AMA and he wasn't willing to stay and all this stuff. And he, and he was so thirsty and all he wanted was like this drink from the vending machine. And he was on some sort of precautions or for whatever reasons he couldn't leave his room, whatever. And you know, I was like, oh, we got you a bottom, you know, there's no problem. So I went out of my way, I got him the thing, whatever. It wasn't a big deal, but that changed everything. Like he stayed, but not only did he stay, he was like so much more amenable to like, taking the DDAVP and, you know, getting mm-hmm. the blood draws and like just grateful. And something as small as that changed the course of his care. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. So you actually went to the vending machine and got, yeah. got like his favorite drink that he, that he was asking for. Oh, at Bellevue you realize how fortunate you are because these are the people that have nothing. Mm. They come to Bellevue because it's the, it's the one place I love to work at for so many reasons, but one being it's the one place that the doors are always open to mm. anyone and everyone. And we care for everyone, regardless mm. of ability to pay citizenship language, they speak, whatever it is. And you know, it's that small gesture, a couple bucks out of my pocket is nothing, but to that person is like everything. Yeah. And it, it gives them a sense of, you know, they, you, you don't want to ever feel you're made lesser than. And if you bring someone to your level by saying, Oh yeah, I'll get you something or you deserve that. I think it brings them up to that. Totally. This concept of like how to include wellness into the healthcare workers kind of daily thing is almost like a meme at this point, right? There's like the memes about like doing a module or a wellness day. If, if you could like make your perfect wellness day, what would that be? Like, what would you want you and like your team to do for a day to reconnect with your humanity. And I know this sounds like a, an easy, an easy answer uh, and a cheap answer, but I, I actually believe it. You know, all these programs are trying to like, you know, bring dogs into the, into the workroom and give you like 20 minutes to pet a dog or they want to give you a free meal. Or I think what it boils down to is you need time off. You need to give someone time off so that they could spend a day how they see fit that would make their wellness. For someone that means going to the gym and chopping wood, for someone that means sleeping all day, for someone that means getting their nails and toes done, someone mm-hmm. that means getting a massage. So I think allowing them the free time and taking away any work responsibilities lets them be good to themselves and have wellness in that respect. Yeah, I, I want to 100% agree because you know when you get like sick and you have to can't go into work, someone else has to work. F- for you and you feel guilty about that so the pressure is always there to i need to show up and work even if i'm sick and not feeling well and to even have a few hours off and and then just this pressure of when you're not at work to go to all these zoom meetings all day long i'm like listen you know i i don't why does it have to be an hour zoom meeting you know can can we just do it for 15 minutes or it's it's the work is it's never ending. And I think we need to just 
make time for us to, we need to design more rest into the day or week, even if it's a couple of hours, mm-hmm. right? Like even if it's, like, hey, I could get home like an hour early and like maybe do something like make dinner for once, which, you know, the, uh, a lot of us can't do or uh, find time, difficulty time making to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that comment you made about just making a few minutes to help somebody in you know a different way, right? Like getting a getting a person a drink, right? That can change your mindset for the entire day. Like mm-hmm. seeing their response to something so mm-hmm. simple, and it's funny. It, it doesn't take a lot. Maybe you know, like maybe it's a pile of puppies or you know whatever whatever kind of simple thing. It's a big deal when you're grinding for twelve hours a day. For sure. For sure. And there's, there's data on it too, about like the happiness data. And when you do things for other people or when you show, you know, gratitude and there's this idea of a gratefulness journal and and these kinds of things, there's data that shows like you feel better, you're happier. And my job now as a fellow has so much of kind of what Bond's talking about. Well, it's like kind of like what feels like nonsense administrative work. And Mm -hmm. I got to do these prior auths and I got to do these things and I got to do those things. and I got to follow up these labs and stuff. And I'm always so bitter, but then, and I'm always like, why am I doing this? And then the patient comes in the room and sits down and you talk to them and like, they, they, you connect with them in a way that makes them like my patient the other day, like just started crying. Mm-hmm. So, oh, we'll help you get your A1C down. We'll help you lose weight. And like, I guess no one had, had connected with her on that level to say that like, I'm here to help you with those goals, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, throwing or throwing medications at it. like that just grounds you. And like you said, Rod, it makes the rest of the day kind of feel like it's worth it. Yeah, totally. Well, one more question for you. What's the first thing you're going to do when the world opens back up? Mm, I'm going on a surf trip. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Mm. I, I, every year I try to go on a uh, surf trip and, and not with my family, a guy that I, I uh, surf with is on a doctor. And right before this pandemic in February, I was in Barbados surfing and it's just like a time for me to reset. So as soon as, as soon as this is over, I'm hopping on a plane, going to some warm destination and catching some waves. Yes. I love it. I love mm. it. I'm going to eat dinner with my family and hug them and kiss them and just be next to them and not be absolutely petrified that I'm making them sick. Mm. And that'll be, that'll be plenty for me. Uh, you make me feel bad. Man. No, no. I, I should, <laughs> yeah. I should go see my family in South Korea. <laughs> that's all, but that's my, that's number two. That's number two. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go surfing by myself. Mike's like, I'm if, I, go if I knew how to surf, I'd probably join you and I'd do that first too. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for spending your early December, late Saturday evening with me tonight asking you some fun questions, hanging out. I mean, honestly, this was great. I think we've all been working our butts off and uh, this is the next best thing to chilling and uh, being in person and just enjoying company. So thank you, Mike. Thank you, Bon. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys. Well, um, I'm down to do I'm always down to do anything with you guys. You guys are awesome. I hope this takes off. I hope you guys are having a good time doing it. Awesome, man. Thanks, dude. Thank you. That was our long rambling conversation with Dr. Mike Natter. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram. If you didn't like this format, don't worry. We're going back to our usual format next week. Please support us by subscribing, rating, and most importantly, reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen. I'm your host, Bon Q. Rob Puglisi produced this episode. 
Our theme music was created by Emmanuel Houston and the cover design by Eden Liu. See you next week. <laughs>